Welcome to the Soma Soulworks Podcast. We hope here to equip, empower, and inspire a global community of creatives through rich, Christ-focused conversation. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the Soma Soul Works podcast. Today I've got with me Gavin. Hi-yo. And Hunter. Hey. And I'm Sammy. Um, so we wanted to discuss today a little bit what gaming looks like for non-gamers and also how as game developers like we can kind of make games um, or I guess the different kinds of games we can make some of which we might intentionally be more accessible for new gamers and some of which you might be like you know, this is actually for more experienced gamers and not newbies. Yeah, the target audience thing is a thing that, like, just in general, I think a lot of game developers, I know we as a company have struggled with that in the past of, like, we're making a game. And then, like, halfway through, it's like, who is this game actually made for? <laughs> um, it's like, because you have design decisions of, like, oh, yeah, this would be great for, you know, a six-year-old, and this would be great for moms, and this would be great for, you know, uh, teenage boys who do nothing but play video games. And it's like, <laughs> but, like, it, it, it ends up creating a disjointed experience, and so being able to focus that is helpful. Um, yeah, at the very least, and helping decide, you know, who, who am I targeting? Are these experienced gamers or whatever that means? Um, and kind of going off some assumptions that those people would have about video games or actually do I want this to be broader and be more open to people who haven't really played this type of game or whatever. So I want to, um, kind of go for an easier approach when it comes to some design language things and all of that. I think it's actually almost worth backing up just a minute to point out that, you know, in in case you hadn't realized this or hadn't thought about it before, like video games do have a language and I'm not talking like English and German. I'm talking about like, you know, if you go to college and you study movies, um, you know, and, and, and storytelling through film, you know, they'll tell you about all of the editing techniques and all of the um, various ways that you tell a story and like, Hey, if you do this kind of a cut or this kind of a camera pan or this kind of a scene structure, mm -hmm. it reinforces these various emotions or story points mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, and it makes you a better filmmaker because you lean into that stuff instead of doing it accidentally. Um, in video games, like beyond having that kind of stuff, it also just enabled to experience this, the content in the first place that, you know, you have to actually interact with it and it's abstracted. You know, you have a controller and you press buttons and then, you know, your character on the screen turns, you know, uh, a press to a jump or a hit or, or whatever. Um, and so that abstraction, you know, inherently requires a sort of, um, communication language so that you as a player knows that when you do this action this consequence will occur yeah i think at the very least that's i mean obviously essential is you need to know how to play a video game to understand what's happening in the video game um, <laughs> i think the time of my life i was playing I think it must have been with like my younger sister when i was little and 
I was teaching, I put in heavy quotations, her how to play this one game. And I don't even remember what it was. I just remember my frustration. Um, but <laughs> she was at this part where she was still having difficulty moving and also like turning her view at the same time and kind of understanding that. So it was very much yeah. like you go down a hall and then instead of turning and going straight, you just go right and you just stare at the wall in front of you the entire time. <laughs> like, does it make sense? <laughs> but she was in this like scene where like things were happening in the world around her. But since she couldn't control her view very well, she wasn't seeing anything. And I was just frustrated. Like, you're missing everything in the story because you don't turn your head in the game. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like, if you don't play like first person games very much, like, kind of hard to like comprehend and then even if you can't get it together you're so focused on like how do I control my movement and my vision at the same time that you don't even know what's happening in the world around you I leveled up as a gamer when I learned to steer my character with the camera in games that let you do that I was like wow look at all Mm -hmm. this I'm doing it's so like it's weird because I don't think about that anymore it's Mm -hmm. just so like I'm going this way and I'm looking that way whatever but I can remember distinctly when I first started playing video games, like, this is really difficult. Like, how do I, what, this doesn't even make sense. Like, yeah. Yeah, I was using the um, analogy earlier that, like, kind of like how there's different difficulties on ski slopes. That's mm-hmm. like, all right, you can you can get into it and you can do the bunny hill. You can do the training grounds and the easy things. And But, you know, and some games are built for that to on board new players gently and teach them that language and then there are other games where they it's a black diamond like you are starting hard and it will only get harder that's dark souls mm-hmm. um <laughs> there's different barriers to entry and maybe an even better analogy is like some of you know they're di- entirely different sports some of them are softball and some of them are rugby like and it's kind of you're not going to have one game that is all of those like, a game that caters to an experienced player cannot also cater to an inexperienced player mm-hmm. very well. Or nobody has pulled it off yet. Like, Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I agree with it. I'm, I'm In the moment, I'm struggling to come up with an example. <laughs> I'm in the exact um, same boat. Where I'm but, like, I want to disagree with you so bad, but I can't think of one where I can. <laughs> well, yeah, so, like, I can't provide an example. But I do know, like, I've played games where, like, it is easy to play but there's Mm -hmm. actually a lot of depth um and so and that's different than what i'm talking about like it's fine to be easy to play and have well but no but that's that that is what i'm talking about like there are games where um it's easy for someone to who doesn't play video games to pick up and participate and have fun but if you do play a lot of video games and you do speak the language there's a depth of the game that you can access um that you know, someone who's new isn't going to be mm-hmm. able to do that, but you can both enjoy that game. Yeah, I guess I get I get exactly what you're saying. I think the way I view it is a little bit different where that whole game, even though there's a high skill ceiling, but low skill floor, mm-hmm. um, that that still to me is inherently like that is a game for. I don't even I don't know how to verbalize this because I, I like about. I think about how like Final Fantasy 15 was like it's a game for for first timers and and longtime fans or like I can't remember what it was Let first me... times and fans but like the notion that especially short games or story games um, there's a lot of 
like maybe systems systems can sometimes have easier man i i really I wish i could articulate sense. what i am thinking because yeah. it, there's a difference to me that i just don't know how to verbalize yeah let me give an example um i, I think i have an example and, and maybe you can tell me why it doesn't apply um and and I'm thinking of Mario Kart as an example. It's a racing game. Um, almost anyone can play it. You press A to go, and you use the left thumbstick to steer. And if that's all you know and can figure out, you can still have fun playing the game. Agreed that. Um, and But then there's also, like, there's the items that you can get and use, and then there's strategy in how you use those items, and then there's drifting, and then there's shortcuts, and you know there's competitive play that's super detailed and technical, um, and and so that, okay, I, I think, think that's I'm, an I'm example of a game with a wide range, the low skill floor, high skill yeah, ceiling. I think, I guess what I'm getting at is that. When you start with a lower skill floor, your ceiling can only go so high. And if you start that floor higher, your ceiling can go higher. So I think about, you know, Dark Souls, that sort of thing. That starts with such... It doesn't have to waste any time teaching you the basics of control your camera, control your... your it assumes a certain level of literacy and then can go way deeper, um, there, I think it's mostly limited by length right now that I've never seen a game that starts at absolutely like, Hey, you're a gaming toddler, like learn how to press buttons, learn how to control your camera. And you're never by the end asked to do a dark souls, super perfect skill timing challenge run. Like, there's just, um, I think there are games that do it really well, but I also think it's an important unrealistic goal to be like i'm going to have my game be as accessible as mario kart and as challenging as dark souls like i just don't think those two can coexist but i would love to be proven wrong by a really excellent game i think these are excellent points i do think they go a little bit further than what we were thinking this went into so for a little bit of context this uh, discussion is is pretty heavily inspired by the video by mm-hmm. uh, YouTuber Rasputin, which I'll link in the description if you want to watch it. Uh, it's now become a series, um, and I'd highly recommend um, because as someone who like grew up playing games for the most part, it was really really enlightening to understand like what is actually challenging for people who haven't grown up around whatever these video game mechanics are, um, and it was really like informative for me to understand of like this is what's difficult for people to get into gaming. And this is why mm-hmm. we even call people gamers versus non-gamers. Like, is <laughs> because there is a distinction. Like, they might not just understand these things. In the video, there's things as simple as, like, jumping and how that's difficult for some people. But when I go into a game and you're going through the tutorial, you don't think about jumping on the platform to get to the tutorial. But for them, that can be, like, an actual literal hurdle that they have to get over. <laughs> um and so I think in your guys' experience, like personal experience of like, have you seen that the limitation of almost a silent language of gaming um, on people that don't necessarily call themselves gamers? And do you see that as a difficulty for the video game industry going forward? Um, I, I, think it's, I think it's going to be an inherent difficulty for the life of the medium. Um, 
for a number of reasons. And in, in something as you were talking, I was reminded like there's another piece of it that's beyond just um, uh, skills involved in video games. You know, like being able to use two analog sticks to control a first-person character, or uh, being able to you know execute a bunch of different buttons in a row for uh, combos in a fighting game or, you know, in a platformer or whatever. There, there's the skill side of it for sure, but then there's also the design language. Um, and it reminded me of um, cultural distinctions between different countries. Like if you, go, you know, travel from America into Europe, there's certain things that you just do as an American and when you go into a completely different culture, it's like, oh, this either like has no meaning here or has a very different meaning. And like, and I've seen like a bunch of different videos and articles that are like, hey, in order to not offend people when you travel, like, don't do this thing that you might normally do. You know, maybe it's tipping or different waves, or you know, maybe the middle finger means something different over here, or you know whatever um all sorts of things and video games have that too and so i think a classic example is going to be red barrels explode right mm -hmm. as a video gamer i've played video games my whole life i know when i see a red barrel in a video game that will explode practically anything red you should shoot just to check yeah like, <laughs> like the color red is danger right yeah, but if a brand a... new gamer don't know that exactly a brand new gamer doesn't know that and so it's something that i'm experiencing watching my daughter play video games and teaching her about the medium is you know like um you know watching her experience these kind of things um for the first time and then discovering the pattern um, and then the biggest thing is the the leap that happens when you take a pattern that you saw in one game and then you experience that same pattern in a new game and you realize that's the pattern. And you feel so smart for figuring that out. And like a yeah. lot of games like to rely on that to let the player feel smart by using these visual cues and indicators that you probably learned elsewhere and like reapply them. And so they get to quick, more quickly feel like they're getting a hang of things and that they know what's going wrong on and feel, um, you know, proficient in what they're doing. Um, but yeah. then, you know, I, I think you to back to your point about like, it's hard to have a game meant for gamers versus a game meant for non-gamers. If you get a non-gamer in that same game, you need to explain to them the various things that are there. Um, and for a non-gamer, that's super helpful. And they're really glad, like, thank you for telling me this. Um, but uh, a gamer is going to be like, obviously I knew that. Like, why do you think I'm dumb? Yeah. Um, so... I guess my better analogy would be like there's games that will let you stay a non-gamer and there's games that you can come into as a non-gamer but it will make you a gamer by the end like you will be a gamer <laughs> if you up, are up for overcome these challenges i think that's a good way to look at that i was talking to someone before um we were recording today about this topic a little bit who hadn't seen um the video that we're kind of loosely going off of but uh, he actually mentioned something that was interesting in, in accessibility for gaming is that when things like um, when things like Steam came out, or sorry, not Steam, when things like uh, the Wii came out, uh, that really changed things in terms of accessibility mm. because it was a completely 
um, we're not, I'm not going to say completely new, but mainstream, completely new uh, medium for gaming, it opened it up a ton to people who had literally never played a video game. Oh, in yeah. Their like life. My grandparents mm-hmm. got a Wii. I'm like, you, exactly. you don't play games. Anybody could do Wii bowling. <laughs> Anybody could, you know, do all of these classic Wii games because it was like, it was motions and things that were super accessible. And I was, I was thinking about, it, I was like, of course, like most video games have a tutorial at the beginning, mm-hmm. but even just looking at a box on a shelf in a store, you're not going to look at it and be like, oh, I could play that after I learned the tutorial. But you could look at the Wii and be like, literally anyone could do that. <laughs> and that's VR has a lot of the same perks where it's, it's yeah. once the, the the prices go way down, the actual gameplay is a lot more um, onboarding for, for new players because they're like, oh, yeah, I pick things up like I pick yeah. things up in real life. Like, <laughs> I, I think um, the term that you use just now, like they're accessible motions, uh, it's it's it's. The reason why they're accessible is because you're removing the abstraction, which is what I'm talking about earlier. Like, mm-hmm. you know, in a normal game, you press A and you jump. Um, yeah, you, you got to learn that muscle memory. Yeah. yeah um, whereas in, you know, you press the X button to interact, right? Um, whereas in Wii or in VR, like you take your hand and you move it onto the door handle yeah. and then you twist and you pull and that's how you open the door because that's how you open a door yeah um and so it's 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 removing that layer of abstraction and so i think i'm actually going to um change my earlier answer of is this a problem that we will always have um and i think when when, we have the holo deck we'll be fine (laughs) when we have the holo deck or when we have the nerve gear um sans you know locking you in uh, um, then I think, no, we won't have the same, uh, restrictions. And I think you will still have the same opportunity for like, if you do have that gamer knowledge, we'll have mm-hmm. these secrets in here that you recognize and can access. Um, but if you don't, you can still play the game and experience the content. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think like, yeah. I think VR, um, AR, and even just motion controls in general have provided a way to interact with video games um, that a non-gamer can appreciate and can access. Um, At the same time, there's also a piece of it that like makes it even harder to do video games when you do that. Um, And specifically I'm thinking like the thing about, VR and motion control games is that you are moving and it's hard to do that for extended periods of time. So mm-hmm. it's real easy to sit down and spend, you know, three plus hours playing Mass Effect or Sid Meier's Civilization or mm-hmm. The Sims or, you know, a- any other game. Like it's easy to sink hours upon hours into these games without even realizing that you're doing it. Um, you are not going to spend four hours playing Wii Bowling. Um, you will get so tired so much faster. You get um, tired after 10 minutes of Wii boxing. Exactly. <laughs> so that's actually something that we found out when, um, you know, Intel uh, had their RealSense cameras, which were, you know, basically a laptop version of the Kinect cameras, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, they were asking people to design games for these uh, 
for this RealSense camera. Um, and something that we realized through the development is like whatever game you make has to be um, short because it just gets tiring to hold your hands up and use those as controllers to do things um like you know you can't you can't do it for an extended period of time and so by its very nature it needs to be small and digestible and honestly i think this starts begging towards an, an another topic which if we haven't already talked about i think would be great to pick up on a future episode and talk about like actual access like i mean this is actual you know physical accessibility Accessibility like um because i know i've done some work in the past with some accessibility games like for for people without um you know that's the inability to even train that sort of like coordination um Mm -hmm. and whatever and so i just think that'd be fun as an example stuff like that yeah so i'd love to pick that up in the future but for now like um yeah, just something for y'all to chew on. We invite you to to check out that series. It's a great series. And uh, I know we, for one, are going to spend a little bit more time figuring out um, striking that balance between new player accessibility and also providing the, the proper challenges for, for long-time players. Uh, and with that, have a great day. Thank you for joining us for today's conversation. You can find us online at somasoulworks.org and continue these conversations with our small group curriculum. We hope to see you next time and have a great day.